We'll hear first this morning, case 08769, United States versus Stevens. Mr. Katyal. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Ten years ago, in Section 48 of Title 18, Congress crafted a narrowly targeted restriction against certain depictions of actual animal cruelty. Yet the Third Circuit struck the statute down on its face without even attempting to apply substantial overbreath analysis. The statute has four critical features, and just as the Court last year in William, United States versus Williams began with statutory construction, analysis should begin there. First, like the statute at issue in United States versus Ferber, this statute only reaches depictions of cruelty to actual living beings, animals, not simulated ones with a written word. Second, the statute only applies to commercial messages, ones that Congress found drove the market for animal cruelty. Third, the statute examines the work as a whole and act uh, before Congress. Yes. Uh, before Congress, Congress had uh, a bunch of testimony that showed that there were extensive uh, and there was a robust market in animal cruelty videos, largely focusing on crush videos, two to three thousand crush videos that were in, that were that were being sold at the time. That I understand, but crush videos is only one species of cruelty to animals. What evidence was there that? For example, dog fighting had as large and robust a market, or that hunting videos in those states in which hunting was illegal had a robust market, et cetera. Well, hunting, we think, is excluded, and I could talk about that in a moment from the reach of the Act. Congress spoke in general terms, and I don't think that uh, Mr. Stevens's statement at page 13 of his merits brief, which is to the effect of Congress repeatedly disavowed any attempt to regulate animal fighting, uh, dog fighting. I don't think that's correct, and the record does not support that. Congress spoke in general terms. They had a for-profit commercial market about animal cruelty, and this statute dealt with it in general terms. And they reasoned that by, uh, by dealing, by, by punishing the sale of these videotapes they would get at the underlying clandestine. What do you mean market? by a for-profit commercial market? You mean anything that's sold, right? uh, that, that is correct. Okay. Yes. And the Third Circuit's decision in this case struck down the statute with respect to crush videos, with respect to the sale of videotapes, the creation of dogfighting videotapes, because remember the statute, Section 48, doesn't just encompass uh, the, the sale of videotapes, it also encompasses the creation of dogfighting videotapes. And yet the, statute, the Third Circuit struck that down as well. That, I think, was a fundamental error under this Court's principles, most particularly United States versus Williams, which says that the statute should only be struck down if there's, a substan- if there's substantial overbreath and only if it's a well, last resort of the Court, not the — What point. would you — if you could do it in one sentence, what is your test for determining which categories of speech — are unprotected by the First Amendment. In one sentence, uh, if, uh, if, if Congress re- sees a compelling interest in regulating the means of production and does not target the underlying content, they can, they can regulate a depiction so long as it leaves alternative mechanisms for that expression in, in place. And, that is, and I what, think, case, what case do you have for that? Problem? United States versus Ferber. Oh, excuse me, New York versus Ferber. In Ferber, the court, the court dealt in, and as modified or as glossed by your decision <coughs> Free Speech Coalition, because what Ferber and Free Speech Coalition together say 
is that Congress was not target or the legislature was not targeting the contents of a depiction, rather was trying to get at and dry up the underlying market, child exploitation in that case. Mr. Cadwell, the um, court summarily dealt with a case some years ago, American booksellers against Hudnet, where cities attempted to make not even a criminal offense, but the subject of a civil suit, a violent depic- depictions of women as sexual objects enjoying pain and humiliation and degradation. The Seventh Circuit said that that was a blatant violation of the First Amendment to go after purveyors who show these women in the shocking, degrading uh, photographs, and I believe we summarily affirmed. And this case is fundamentally different from all of those, because here Congress is not aiming at the underlying communicative impact. It's not saying, as it was in the legislature, the Well, of course it is. I mean, you can't separate the means from the end and say, since its end is simply to prevent the, the activity, the means, which is to prevent the communication, is okay. It is targeting the communication of videos that depict this. Quite to the contrary, Justice Scalia, the bona fides of this statute are evident right on its face because the very same depictions that Mr. Stevens or anyone else swept up under the statute uh, wants to portray, they can do it so long as they use simulated or images. Well, but to say that they're not concerned with the content, I I think, is contradicted by the exceptions. You have to look at the content and make a decision, is this bona fide scientific, journalistic, educational, (coughs) historical. So you have to look at the content to determine whether or not the speech is prohibited. Uh, I don't think so, for for two reasons. I think what Congress was dealing with, with the exemptions clause in this statute, was just reflecting the underlying nature of the market that they saw in 1999, a for-profit commercial market in cruelty. And so they exempted educational depictions, religious, and so on, because that wasn't what was driving the underlying market for crushing How can you video tell these aren't political videos? You do have, with organizations, PETA and others, depictions of the same sort of animal cruelty that is used to generate support for efforts to prohibit it. Why aren't these videos the exact opposite, uh, you know, efforts to legalize it, uh, uh, and in each case it would fall under the political uh, exemption? Uh, and often they will fall under that exemption. My point is that Congress carved a broad exemption in Section 48 precisely to make sure that expressive messages aren't swept could up. You, could you tell me what the difference is between these video and David Roma's documentary on pit bulls? I mean, David Roma's documentary um, had much, much more footage on the actual animal cruelty than the films at issue here, greater sections of the film, and more explicit. In this film, the the respondent uh, didn't let the video show the actual tearing of the jaw. Uh, David Romas did much more than that, showed much more than that. So isn't, doesn't there have to be a judgment inherent in this statute? The, the, the line will sometimes be difficult to draw, just as it's difficult to draw in child pornography. For but it's not in child pornography because there Congress says the very act, it doesn't matter how artistic it is, 
that very act of child pornography is illegal. Quite to the contrary, Justice Sotomayor. In this, this Court approved in Osborne versus Ohio a statute on child pornography that had the following exemption for a, quote, bona fide artistic, educational, religious, governmental, judicial, or other purpose, buyer to a physician, psychologist, sociologist, person pursuing bona fides, research studies, judge, or other person having a proper interest in the material or performance. And this Court pointed to that exemptions clause to make the statute constitutional at two, pla- two pages in that opinion. And so this Court's already gone down the path of saying these decisions are tough to make in a ca- on a case-by-case basis, but nonetheless, the legislature should have a freer-hand act when it is regulating not the expressive message, but targeting the underlying contents, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, tar- targeting the underlying production. Not child, child pornography is obscenity, as far as I'm concerned, and it's been treated as part of that same traditional classification, uh, which there has always been permission for the government to uh, prohibit. This is something quite different. I mean, you know, what, what if I, 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 I am an aficionado of, of bullfights, and I think, contrary to the animal cruelty people, I think it, they en- ennoble both the beast and man. And I want to persuade people that bullfights are terrific and we should have them. I would, I would not be able to, to market videos showing people how exciting a bullfight is, Right. I'd be able to talk and say, oh, you should really allow bullfights, but I cannot make the most significant point that I want to make, get people to watch it. I want to answer your hypothetical, but if I could just have 20 seconds or so to to respond more generally to all of these hypotheticals, which I think are going to reoccur in the course of our conversation. Uh, We believe that Section 48 will have as-applied constitutional challenges that will be infirmed from case to case. But what this Court has said is that, in, in your decision, Justice Scalia, in United States v. Williams, is that we should be careful about that endless stream of fanciful hypotheticals, precisely because the test under substantial overbreath, which knocks an entire act of Congress out on, on its face, is that there must be a realistic danger that the statute will be applied in the, in the manner the hypothetical suggests. With respect to your bullfighting hypothetical, there is no realistic danger. We've had 10 years of experience under the statute. Congress itself said in the legislative history, which I know will not be of relevance to you, but made to others on the Court, uh, they explicitly exempted Spanish bullfighting and said that's the paradigmatic case of what is educational and artistic and the like. Well, what if I may uh, Wait, wait I, don't, I don't understand that. Any depiction of bullfighting is educational? Spanish depictions of bullfighting. And and that's true because Congress said so? Well, that's true because it is educational, and and a prosecutor would bear the burden of I guess a dogfight is educational, too. And some dogfights certainly are, which is my answer to Justice Sotomayor's question. look, Look what you've done, and this is what's bothering me. You take these words, which are a little vague, some of them, serious religious, political, scientific, educational, journalistic, historical, artistic value. And you say that's a standard that a judge or prosecutor will apply. And people have to understand it because they have to know what to do to avoid the risk of being prosecuted. Now, as I've gotten out of these briefs, you then require people to apply that standard, not simply to the crush videos or to the dogfighting, but also to, as Justice Scalia pointed out, Bullfighting, sheep hunting, bear hunting, deer hunting, fox hunting, uh, humane slaughter. 
uh, and um, for, I think, somewhere I found the stuffing geese for pâté de foie gras. All right, so uh, there's a whole long quail hunting. There's a whole long list in here of things that people might want to do. They won't know if it falls within this exemption. Nobody in every state wants to forbid these things. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. And they won't know whether or not they can make this particular film, picture, or other. That's the overbreadth argument, and I would like to hear your response. We've had 10 years of experience, Justice Breyer, under the statute, and we haven't seen the, those, those things being chilled. Indeed, respondents... Can you give me an example of a case where we said a statute which might otherwise be overbroad is not overbroad because prosecutors have been restrained. Can you give me one case where we've said that? In, last year in United States versus Williams, an opinion that virtually every member of this Court joined, including you, Justice Kennedy, this Court said that it would look to the pro- experience, the post-Ferber experience in prosecuting cases to decide okay. whether or not a, two terms in the statute, promotes and presents, were vague and would raise but a that, laundry list. But, that, but that, that was a case where we knew what the content was. The content was not subject to, a, to an overbreadth challenge. Well, uh, the, the content was not. Well, actually, Justice Kennedy, the reason that came up in the case is because there were hypotheticals being advanced, such as police, a, a man who wants to call the police that says that child pornography arrived in, my ma- in the mail and so on. And what the Court said is that even though the words in the statute, just as the words in this statute, could be read broadly or no, narrowly. That, that went to the attempt. It seems to me, let me tell you what I think your framework is, and if it's wrong, tell me that it's wrong. Uh, this statute without the exceptions clause, would be wildly overbroad. So you say it's not overly broad because of the exception of the savings clause, I'll call it, the the, the exceptions. Uh, But it seems to me that the exceptions must be then tested as to whether or not they're vague. Uh, We do think that the — And you have to show that they're not vague. We do think that the exceptions clause does some of the constitutional work to exclude some of the hypotheticals like bullfighting and the like. Uh, we do think the statute itself has a number of restrictions built into it on its face. Uh, but what, is part- a, what is and the like? How about cockfighting? What, what is the difference between, perhaps I missed something um, a few moments ago, between bullfighting, cockfighting, dogfighting? You say dogfighting is included, but bullfighting, and I don't know where you put cockfighting. Uh, dogfighting and cockfighting are illegal in all 50 states and therefore would be swept up. Some certain depictions of dogfighting and cockfighting would be swept uh, what up. What about bullfighting? Isn't that illegal? In some uh, I'm, I'm, it may or may not be. There, there aren't at least specific statutes generally dealing with hunting it. With but, a bow, what about pardon? hunting with a bow and arrow out of season? Okay. So <laughs> in hunting... As well, so we've had, we finished with the category of fights. So, so let me just to Justice Ginsburg's question: uh, Not all dogfighting videos are swept up by Section 48. There may be educational videos along the lines that Justice Sotomayor said uh, raised, which are not swept up. Bullfighting is the same basic thing. It's not that there's a categorical, a categorical exemption on bullfighting. It's rather that there are certain ones that are educational and not. Just like in child pornography. So non-educational bullfighting would be prohibited. Uh, if, if I market this just because I think, boy, bullfighting is really exciting, 
if it meets the other terms in the statute, right, so commercial it is and things like that. Now, with respect to hunting, uh, hunting is generally not considered animal cruelty, and it doesn't no, involve hunting with a bow and arrow, and, and some, some de depictions of hunting are pretty, pretty gruesome. That, that's correct. And to the extent that it's, uh, that it's something that resembles the terms in the statute, the language of which is uh, uh, maimed, mutilated, tortured, wounded, or killed. Or it, killed. It, yeah. how, how do you limit kill in the same to, to cruel kill? No, you, 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 you say in your brief that it's, it's nocitor ex socies, but that's a doctrine that says when you have a string of words, one of which has various meanings, which meaning it has depends upon the words with which it's associated. So if you speak of staples, staples, uh, 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 what, tacks and, uh, Nails and other fasteners. Nails, obviously, doesn't mean toenails. It means a nail that is a fastener. The word nail having various meanings. Kill has one meaning, which is kill. And you can, you, you cannot limit that meaning just because in addition to killing, you also prohibit torturing and, and, and other things. I, you have a single case where, where, where that doctrine is used not to uh, give meaning to an ambiguous word, but to limit the meaning of a word which on its face is absolutely clear. Yes, uh, Your Honor, I what believe I do. And that's the decision you wrote last year in United States versus Williams, which interprets the words promotes and presents, which you yourself in the opinion said are capable of a wide variety of meanings. Exactly. And, and, uh, and here, the word killed in context, because the term that the statute well, It's not susceptible to a wide, that's my whole point. It means killed. It means killed in the context of a statute that is defining the words animal cruelty. And this Court has consistently said that the definition that is being defined. Some people think killing an animal is animal cruelty. These people don't eat meat because it is the product of killing animals. And the legislature under no way, shape, or form was targeting that. Well, well uh, it shouldn't have said that then. Well, I think that it basically did say that by using the words animal cruelty in the statute. Now, if there's a disagreement about that, I, I don't, don't have don't. a single case in which a, an absolutely clear word like kill is given a more narrow meaning because of other words that, that are different from that Justice word. Justice Scalia, in, in Leo Cal, this Court defined the term crime of violence, which the INA had meant to, the INA interpreted broadly. Right, so you want to say cruelly kill. Now, that's cruelly kill is not exactly crystal clear. And therefore, my question is why, given the need for you to save this statute, to read so many words that are so general, those contained here that I've read, cruelly kill, cruelly wound, as opposed to just wound or kill, what you're doing that in order to prevent chilling people who are engaging in activities that aren't intended to be covered by this statute. Why not do a simpler thing, rather than let the public guess as to what these words mean? Ask Congress to write a statute that actually aims at those frightful things that it was trying to prohibit. Well, now, that can be done. I don't know why they couldn't do it. 
And it could have been done in Williams. It could have been done in the child pornography cases, which also have vague terms. But what this Court has said is that using the substantial overbreath doctrine to do that leaves gaping holes in place. If we followed your invitation, Justice Breyer, we would leave crushed videos unprotected. Why? uh, Why? You say a crushed video, my description that I read of it, you'd have a very strong case. I'm not saying you'd win it. I don't have to decide that. But uh, you have a very strong case. So you say to Congress, write a statute that focuses on that. You're worried about dogfighting? Write a statute that focuses on that and, moreover, talks about something unlawful in every state. I'm not giving Congress advice, though I seem to be. I'm just saying, why, why can't you here write a statute that does not force the courts into the work of interpreting these very vague words to prevent the statute from being held unconstitutional. Well, here I think we should give Congress some credit, because what it actually did in the exemptions clause was borrow this Court's own jurisprudence from the obscenity context on exceptions like literary, artistic, political, and scientific. Counsel, would would a statute like this applied to humans be constitutional? You can't depict videos of, say, violent muggings or, or things of that sort? Well, I think it would be complicated because Congress would have to find uh, that by targeting the underlying videos but leaving alternative simulated mugging videos in place, somehow it would have reduced the market for muggings or something like that. I think that's very hard. And it goes to Justice Ginsburg's question about whether this statute is is aimed at the communicative impact, which we don't think it is, or is aimed at just reducing the first-order problem, which is the first-order problem occurs in states where it is not illegal. These videos are taken in states where bullfighting or dogfighting or cockfighting is entirely legal. So I don't know how you distinguish a, a, a movie which many people think that violence in movie brutalizes people and, and causes violence in people's action. Why couldn't Congress, persuaded by these people, say, you know, you can have, cannot depict, uh, Torture, you know, these horror films that come out around, around Halloween. You, you can't depict that anymore. What, what is the difference between that and what you've done here? So dogfighting is illegal in all 50 states, along with crush videos. So I don't think that — there may be some — But it isn't, it isn't illegal in Japan, and it's part of the video here were dogfights in Japan, legal where it occurred, no different from bullfighting. Right. And this Court's dealt with that in footnote 19 of Ferber, in which it said that uh, just because something is legal somewhere else, it's often very hard to figure out where the underlying material was made. It doesn't have a GPS. But that was just Justice Scalia spoke about uh, aficionados of Spanish bullfighting. Uh, suppose that I'm an aficionado of the sort of gladiatorial contest that used to take place in ancient Rome, and suppose that some that Rome or some other place decides that. Uh, It wants to make money by staging these things and selling videos of them or broadcasting them live uh, around the world. Do you have any doubt that that could be prohibited? Uh, This is — I'm I'm sorry if I'm not following the hypothetical. A gladiatorial contest where the the gladiators fight to the death. 
right? Do you have any doubt that that could be prohibited? Well, if it sounds as like it would fall under the historical exemption, at least under the hypothetical as you've raised it, so it wouldn't be prohibited by Section 40. Who knows? No, no, not under this statute, under a different well, statute. Uh, well, I think that uh, I think that there again, that would raise some First Amendment interest in suppressing historical uh, historical information. Now, Justice Scalia, you said, who knows? Uh, I think the answer to that is that this statute places the burden of proof on the government in order to uh, in order to prove that there is no historical or educational value. If if you dress up like an ancient Roman, uh, the whole thing is of historical interest. Well, I, is that it? Justice Scalia, I do think that is the Court's own jurisprudence with respect to, for example, obscenity and child pornography, both of which this Court has accepted precisely those types of exceptions. A different category. That is traditional First Amendment law that obscenity is not protected. And child pornography, as far as I'm concerned, and I think as far as the Court is concerned, is obscenity. Well, again, I don't believe the Court has actually read child pornography to be obscenity. The rationale of Mr. Ferber — Mr. There, there is something quite different between Ferber because the abuse of the child is occurring at the very time. As I understand it, Mr. Stevens was not a promoter of dog bites. He was just filming them. And so the, the, the simultaneous abuse of the child — it occurs only because the picture is being taken. The dog bite goes on whether Mr. Stevens is there with his camera or not. Let me say two things about that. First, Mr. Stevens, of course, even in the Japan videos you mentioned, he sent his dogs to Japan to, to fight. And this statute encompasses real-time transmissions of where it, was, where it was legal for him to do that. It was, uh, just, again, like child pornography and the like. Uh, it the isn't that what I would like you to confront is that the, the very taking of the picture is the, is the offense. That, that, that's the abuse of the child. The abuse of the dog and the promotion of the fight is separate from the filming of it. I, I agree with that, and I don't think that's what underlay either this Court's Ferber decision or Free Speech Coalition. The move that Ferber makes is to say that the legislature can target the underlying mode of production so long as it leaves alternative mechanisms for that same exact message to be spoken. And this statute does that. Mr. Stevens can produce the exact same message just as long as he doesn't involve the torture or mutilation to an actual living animal. And to compare this but to his hunting. message is that getting animals to fight is fun. That's his message. And Congress now, hasn't stamped To that. say he, you know, he can convey that message uh, in some other way, how, how else does he do it? With simulated messages, the written word, he's written an entire book about that. He can he has a, a whole variety of Simulated dogfights would be okay under this. Simulated, absolutely. This statute leaves that in place, Justice Scalia. That's the key to understanding why this statute is not like the traditional statutes that come before this Court in which the government asserts some paternalistic interest and says viewers can't see this because of the offense of the message. This statute has nothing to do with the offense of the message. It has to do with trying to dry up an underlying market for animal cruelty. If there are no other questions, I'd like to reserve the balance of my time. Thank you, Counsel. Ms. Millett. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, it is not the exact same message if you are forced in a popular debate that's going on around this country now about the treatment of animals 
to require one side to engage to use simulated images, which is exactly what the government's reply brief at page three insists upon, while those who want to ban conduct are allowed to use real images. That puts the government's sensorial thumb on the scale of public debate. And what about crush videos, which apparently were the focus of Congress's attention when it it drafted these? Now, I suppose by uh, analogy to what Justice Scalia just said about the message of dogfighting videos, the people who produce crush videos think they have a message, and the message is that this is this is sexually exciting, or it's exciting in some way to see uh, a woman in high-heeled shoes crushing a little animal to death. Um, do you think that is constitutionally protected? Uh, I think I think there's a vi- that a properly drawn law could very well, at least in my humble opinion, this court would have to decide survive strict scrutiny. There's also, I suppose, some argument whether it would fit into — you wouldn't need strict scrutiny — you would fit it into an unprotected category of speech like obscenity, or it would be the production issue that would like, — like you have in Ferber. Um, but what — beyond that, I do think we need to keep in mind — You're not — you're not even willing to say that that could be prohibited? No, no. I'm saying I think I, — I, I think there's three alternative ways in which you could get to it. My first one is that — and I'm not this statute, but under a properly drawn statute — under that, a properly drawn that statute. Well, that might survive strict scrutiny. I'm not sure no, you even need to. Might. I, I really would like you to tell me whether it would. I, You're I, willing to concede, because we're trying to determine whether this is overly broad. And this is the category of activity that Congress particularly targeted. So to me, at least, it's important to know whether, at least as applied to what Congress principally had in mind, the statute could uh, could pass constitutional muster if it were, you know, as applied. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to say this statute right, because I don't think this statute could. If the statute said this, I think this court could disagree. It disagrees with me sometimes, but I think this would pass constitutional muster. A statute that says the patently offensive, intentional torture and killing of an animal for designed to appeal to the prurient interest for the purpose of producing the image. I think that would satisfy — I think it would satisfy strict scrutiny. The Court might also decide that it looks — it's close enough to obscenity or it's like the fervor production rationale. That's my position. There's sort of three ways it could be analyzed. A statute like that, that's not this statute, and I don't think we can say that this statute, because Congress has the authority to reach something, that when it throws a blanket net as wide as this one has, that that means this statute is the mechanism a lawful mechanism for getting fresh videos. I have one, one, more, one more question along the lines of, of Justice Alito. Forget this statute. Under a properly drawn statute, uh, suppose that um, bullfighting or pit bullfighting is unlawful in every state. Uh, could a theater have a live broadcast of a pit bullfight in Japan and charge $10? Uh, and let's add uh, the f- uh, hypothetical fact that a lot of the revenue goes back to Japan and promotes more bullfighting. Could, could a properly drawn statute prohibit that? And then perhaps Justice Scalia, uh, Alito has a follow-up question on, on his own hypothetical. Could a properly drawn statute prohibit that, uh, that, that speech? Like a, a, prop, a properly drawn statute with the requisite Congressional findings or record of a, a need to attack. It sounds to me like this is a need to attack pr- 
production. As in child pornography, the fact that the image taking is legal overseas does not mean that it can't be prohibited here. And if you had the type of record of um, a statute that said we, we want to stop the production, it's not the content, it is the production, as this Court explained in Free Speech Coalition for Child Pornography. But that is a statute that then wouldn't have uh, — e- either you would have to decide which things are in and out. If you started saying animal cruelty production, but we'll let the bull fights in, but the pit bull fights out, and the cock fights no, in, we're, we're, have we're, we're just asking whether or not that specific instance could be prohibited under a properly drawn statute, just like — Justice Alito's uh, hypothetical was under a properly drawn statute. You could prohibit the conduct, the the, the speech uh, broadcasting. If the theory, I mean, ultimately this court would have to decide whether fervor is limited to an obscenity thing that is historically unprotected by the First Amendment. If if it's your your answer to my hypothetical is yes, it could be prohibited under a properly drawn statute. If this court, two things, under properly, it would have to be a very, very narrowly drawn statute, I think, going to the production theory like Ferber. And then the question, I think, before this court would be, given the nature of the harm that presumably would be found, the, the nature of the market, the synergistic effect, where the, I'm assuming that the findings here would be that the crime and the image are one and the same, they're inextricably intertwined, and maybe, although I still think it would be a bit harder because we're dealing with the First Amendment here. We don't make it up as we go along. At the time the First Amendment was written, dog fighting was legal. But the, 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 point, the point, I guess, is when you say yes to this, what you're thinking is that just as real obscenity, when depicted, does nothing communicative, but rather appeals to the instinct of lust. So Congress could find a category of things that do not communicate, but appeal to the instinct of sadism. And that's true when other creatures are killed for the pleasure of the people who want to see them killed. Now, that's what you're saying. Now, when, and I think maybe that's true. We don't have to decide that, perhaps. But the government says that is this statute. That is this statute read in light of its basic intent, and it is up to the court to interpret it so as it achieves that objective. And you say that's not possible. Why not? Um, Two things. First of all, there's interpreting and then there's alchemy. And I think this statute requires alchemy. This is Reno versus alchemy. Alchemy. There's, there's construction of ambiguity. Such an unusual word. I, I, I haven't, mm-hmm. haven't heard it in a legal argument at all. <laughs> you don't often get statutes that are this so far off base that we're going, I think, in my opinion, so far beyond construing ambiguity and doing instead what was asked of this court and the court declined in Reno versus ACLU, and that is to write the statute for Congress. The ambiguity, as Justice Scalia, you explained, there's, I don't, you'd have to excise this statute in, out, sever so many things. I don't know what you'd have left unless it's the statute I posited to Justice Alito, which might have a couple of words that overlap with this statute. But that's not statutory construction. This Court's job is not to write the statute for Congress. And also, keep in mind, in the past, this Court, consistently under the First Amendment, has required not just the right words, but a record from Congress. In the First Amendment area, we can't just posit the problem. We have to really have confidence. Is this re- would this record support any ban? I mean, there was a, a real concentration on, on crush videos. 
So there's that. Is there anything else in, in the current record other than the crush videos? No, there's not. And, in fact, there's, they spent their time, as we said on our brief, and this is perfectly accurate, Members of Congress, to the extent they discussed other things, kept saying in the floor debates, that's not in. Bullfighting's not in. Dogfighting's not in. Um, hunting's not in. These things are not in. So they, they mentioned them in the context of saying these are not in. They were Counsel, focused I think, on I, I think Ferber analytically is the hard case for you, because the Court in Ferber did say, and I'm quoting from page 763, the evil to be restricted so overwhelmingly outweighs the expressive interest at stake. That was their articulation of the test. Now, why shouldn't we apply that test to this statute? I don't think that's a legal test that's adopted under the First Amendment. I think that's a description of the types of categories that by history and tradition had been outside the First Amendment and the rationale for why Ferber came in, which was Yes, there's overlap with obscenity, but I think it actually bridges the world of obscenity and virtual incitement because you have the crime and the image, one and the same, wrapped up together. There is, in this instance, there are about five different ways that this is different from child pornography. The first is that there's never been any finding, any assertion, even by the government, that creating the image is the primary or sole motive for creating these images. It's not if you lock Mr. Stevens up. If you throw away every dogfighting video in the country tomorrow, dogfighting will continue. It will, no one thinks that it will go away. The best I think the government government does, it says that's how you dry up the market. But you don't dry up the market by having a sweeping value exception like they have here. If Congress wants to dry up the market, what Ferber says is there's two things that have to happen. One, you've got to prove causation. You can't simply say, we've got a problem, let's go first to the speech and cut that off as our first prosecutorial tool when we're not even ready to make the crime itself a felony, but we'll make the speech a felony. You've got to prove causation, that these images cause the harm. They are one and the same with the harm as they are with child pornography. You also have got to prove that Congress is acting in an even-handed way. It is not leaving, as Justice Scalia said, appreciable damage to the interest that it's asserting, uncovered by its many, many May I ask you a question about your view of the breadth of the statute? I didn't get, really get an answer out of your opponent. Do you think the statute would prohibit depictions of hunting that involve killing in the District of Columbia? Because it's hunting, as I understand it, is not allowed in the District of Columbia. It's prohibited. Does that mean that any de- de- depictions of hunting that show uh, killing and cruelty are prohibited by this statute? Well, they're, they're prohibited subject to the value police and the value trial, like we had here, which I think is antithetical to the First Amendment. It's a very different role under the obscenity statute. So it would all depend on whether a jury decided that that had serious value, which was defined as significant and great import in this particular case. That would decide it's whether it's not happen. significant value, significant artistic, educational, what are the others? Scientific? Scientific, Serious artistic, entertainment value or? doesn't count, does it? No, it does not. And most That's of the hunting videos I've seen, people watch for the entertainment. They like to see a hunt. I think that's exactly right, and that's what the Safari Club and the NRA have told us. Well, but, I mean, this definition, or these exceptions aren't drawn out of thin air. They're drawn from Miller. And the Court in Miller recognized that they were significant in causing the restriction of obscenity to pass constitutional muster. 
first of all, this is about this is Miller doubled. There's a lot more categories here, but it's very it's a very different role that value plays under Miller in obscenity. First of all, this court made quite clear again in Reno versus ACLU that Miller only works if you have all three prongs. You can't just use the serious value prong to take care of your constitutional problem. Second, you are dealing in an area that, by history and tradition, is unprotected speech. In determining whether this is overly broad, do we we think of all of the the hypotheticals that we possibly can think of that might fall within this statute, somebody hunting in the District of Columbia, uh, somebody producing foie gras with a goose, uh, and, and say, well, we, we've thought of a lot of hypothetical situations where this statute might apply and therefore it's overly broader. Do we look at what's going on in the real world? I think what you do is you look at the text of the statute and then you ask yourself how much of a strain is it to come up with a factual pattern that will fit into it. In Williams, you had to, first of all, read So we really, we really think of all the hypotheticals. That, that's how you think we determine the constitutionality of this under the overbreadth doctrine? I think at some level, Congress has a job to write with a scalpel and not a buzzsaw in the First Amendment area. And the only way to ensure that happens is to look at the text and say, does this text fit the purpose? Does it fit what the Constitution will allow? If, and it's, when the, the, if it's the fact that during the 10 years when this statute has been in effect, um, there has been no decrease in hunting videos and hunting shows on TV, uh, and all of the rest, the only perceptible uh, change in, in the real world is that these, the, the market for crushed videos dried up at least until the Third Circuit's decision. Does that have any relevance? I don't, I don't think it does for this reason. People, and this gets a little bit to Justice Kennedy's vagueness concern. People have a right to know how to, con- outside the courtroom, how to conform their conduct to the law. If I got a call from the general counsel of outdoor channel or someone making hunting videos and they said does this fall within this statute i wouldn't have to come up with a strained factual scenario i would say yeah you fall squarely in subject to a prosecutor or jury anywhere where you market in this country deciding that it has serious one of the adjectives value i would have to say that to that person and that would be accurate legal advice. It could be that the reason uh, hunting videos are still out there is that the producers uh, uh, were quite confident that this court would not allow them to be uh, prohibited uh, on the basis of a statute such as this. Um, One would hope, and I think, quite frankly, the NRA has been quite honest in its brief and said, you know, this this is not an actively enforced statute. People were shocked to learn become aware of it. Now, maybe everyone's supposed to know the existence of laws, but I think the reality is that once people looked at what this said, they became very, very, very concerned. And it's, I think, when you're talking about a criminal prohibition here, this is not a civil suit. This is a criminal prohibition with severe penalties. The penalties for speech are more higher than most animal cruelty statutes. And to, the whole point of the criminal law is to deter conduct and to make people stay wide of the margins here, wide of the borders. You can't do that I, I First understood Amendment. your answers to Justice Alito to acknowledge that there would be situations where this statute could be constitutionally applied. Or as you put it, you could draft a statute. Not this statute. Not this different. statute. I but, think that's very different. But if, in fact, there were situations where we thought a 
narrowly drafted statute could be applied to particular instances, perhaps the crush videos, uh, perhaps others. Why isn't that enough to say that the statute is valid on its face and then we will consider as applied challenges? I think in the first amendment, I'm not talking, I heard you right, you're not talking about this statute. If you have another statute. I guess I'm just trying to get at your understanding of what the test is for overbreadth in this area. How much of a area of constitutional application is necessary before you decide that the statute is not uh, uh, unconstitutional on its face, but will consider as applied challenges. Right. And I think this Court has been clear that the overbreadth has to be both sort of quantitative and qualitative. It hasn't set a particular ratio. I think this one is easy. We're talking about 2,000 crush videos and tens, if not hundreds of thousands of other images that are captured by the statute. I think normally when this Court says it, it, it wants to, to, to apply overbreadth, it's been dealing with situations, for the most part, two, two contexts. One, where Congress is already regulating in an area that is unprotected under the First Amendment, unprotected in the sense that they are allowed to ban, regulate heavily. Right? They're already there, and then the question is, did they draw the margins too broad? That's not this case. We're dealing in an area that was never, until December 1999, barred by anybody, never considered to be outside the conception of the First Amendment's freedom of speech. The other scenario where we see substantial overbreath is when Congress is regulating conduct. Well, isn't that, isn't that due to, to changes in technology? <laughs> Before people had, could uh, show, could watch videos at home, this sort of thing would, would be very difficult. There, this, this covers photographs, so this would go back as far as photographs. I'm not sure it wouldn't cover a sketch artist or a hieroglyphic, for all I know. That's a, all it requires is that it be a depiction in some form. And, and is there, in, in the real world, is there a market for sketches of dogfights? People get a thrill from seeing that? With respect, I, I can't answer that. I'm not sure. I don't know that there's a market for dogfighting videos. There's a few, but it depends on what you mean by a market. Will somebody buy something? I guess some, somebody in this world will buy anything. Is there but any it, indication that there has been any dry up of the market for dog bites as a result of this statute? There, Justice Alito suggested that until the Third Circuit's decision, the, the, there were fewer crush videos produced. But with respect to dog fights, animal fights, uh, is there any indication that there has been there have been fewer animal fights as a result of this statute? None whatsoever. And in fact, what we've seen is robust enforcement. And we cite the article in our case. There's been robust enforcement. There was just arrests a few weeks ago for I think a couple hundred people involved in dog fighting rings. So the dog fighting rings are going on unabated, and they're getting found and discovered and prosecuted successfully. And in fact. The images sometimes help with the prosecution. This is a place to keep, when we start talking before, we're going to take something outside the First Amendment. One of the other things that unifies the categories of speech outside the First Amendment is a judgment that more speech doesn't work. This is an area where we know speech works powerfully. Speech about these ugly images produced this statute. It informed people, unlike children and child pornography, People need to see images to understand what's going on with animals and to make these important decisions and engage in these important debates suppose, that our society is having. Suppose an argument 
Excuse me. Suppose an argument had been made to the court in fervor. You know, it's really good for people to see molestation of children because then they'll be outraged and they'll enforce the statute. Well, I, I just can't see the court accepting that argument for a single for a minute. I, I agree. I agree because that's, your, that's the argument you're making. No, no. I think it's. I think it's. I'm trying to point out that it, this is in fact a contrast. First of all, a, they, a, a contrast between the two situations between. Um, dealing with the subject, a very topical subject. Well, I, I, it seems to me that we ought, if, if there's a significant chance that uh, Congress can affect uh, an illegal market and illegal activity uh, by a statutory regulation, we ought to defer to the Congress on that ground. I think you still have speech arguments. I, 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 on, on, I, on this economic causation, I think we, we have to defer to Congress largely. I really think you should focus, Ms. Let not, not on the educational uh, value for, for, to, to make people hate bullfighting and things, but, but on quite the opposite, it seems to me. On the right, under the First Amendment, of people who like bullfighting, who like dogfighting, who like cockfighting, to present their side of the of, of the debate and unless it's a subject like obscenity which from the beginning has not been considered protected speech it seems to me that side of the debate is entitled to make its point as as forcefully as possible that's it seems to me what the problem is <coughs> i think that's a hundred percent right and that's well that's a hundred percent what about the people who who like to see human sacrifice suppose that's legally taking place someplace in the world and there are people here who probably would love to see it live, pay-per-view, you know, on the Human Sacrifice Channel. <laughs> they, they have a point of view they want to express. That's okay? The problem with this statute is that presumably that statute would be even-handed. And it would not say if the sacrifice was for religious, for journalistic, or historic. You can create a lot of First Amendment horribles. What about, what about uh, a, a new Adolf Hitler? Can, can, can we censor uh, any depiction of, 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 of that new Adolf Hitler and, and the horrible things that he's proposing, including extermination of a race? Is that proscribable under the First Amendment? Is that any less horrible than, than, than the human sacrifice contemplation? No, Justice Scalia, again, I, I agree, because what the First Amendment says is we allow... Oh, I'm sorry, you agree you can prohibit it or not? I, I agree that just because something is repulsive, incredibly offensive, or maybe even involves some harm to people does not mean that depictions of it that do not cause that harm, that are not integrally tied to it, that are not the purpose and animating motivation for that harm, cannot be proscribed. You mean well, if it was your answer to Justice Alito's hypothetical about human sacrifice? If, if at a minimum, Congress has got to be even-handed. If the point there is you're trying to say we're concerned about the creation for purposes of the image. We're concerned about what the government calls a snub video situation. The sole reason that this is created is for purposes of creating the image. If you establish the causation, and I don't think we, the Court does just defer to Congress on these things, it looks carefully at factual records in, as it has in the child pornography area under the First Amendment, Justice Kennedy. If Congress proves the causation, and shows that it is tried. It's a it's a least restrictive means, compelling interest, least restrictive means. It's strict scrutiny that Congress, the, the government, never wanted this statute to march through. And what if there's no chance of drying up the activity? Suppose you you have the ethnic cleansing channel on cable TV, and and there's no. This is taking place in a country that's 
beyond our power to influence. Congress couldn't prohibit that. The, the fact that conduct is repulsive or offensive does not mean we automatically ban the speech. You would have to have, it would have to follow this Court's patterns. Either it would be an even-handed ban on production under the Ferber theory, or you would have to establish that those images were never within the conception of the what he's, I think what's going on is, is not you're conflating two things. One is you're trying to produce education about something that has no communicative value. Insofar as you're trying to make an argument or educate, of course it's protected. But the government here is saying, I think the statute is intended to forbid a different thing entirely. And it's hard to draw a line. Maybe it's impossible. But promoting a thing which communicates nothing but appeals to people's worst instinct, that is not to advocate it or not to advocate it. It is to try to make money out of it. And that's what they think, I believe, the statute is aimed at. That's why they have the journalistic exception. The, when it comes to promoting illegal conduct, we have the Brandenburg test. And if you are close enough to be inciting it, to be causing it, which I think is where Ferber largely is, they're just intertwined, that's one thing. But if it's not, just because we have the really disgusting, despicable channel doesn't mean that we automatically ban it. Maybe it will be educational. Maybe we will learn from it. I think Congress is going to have to show, before it goes to speech as its first tool of repression to attack conduct with, very specialized, narrow circumstances. We're going to advertise a drug that is known to kill people. That we are commercial, That is commercial speech. The fact that you want to get paid for speaking does not make it commercial speech. Samuel Johnson himself said, that no one but a blockhead ever wrote except for money. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it, is a, it would be a shock to him, to Thomas Paine, who sold his tracts of common sense, that the First Amendment would go all, leap all the way from commercial speech and say, just because you're doing it for money, you need to make a buck. You're I out would have, I would have thought that your response to Justice Breyer's comment about catering to people's worst instincts in the area of the First Amendment, at least, would have been that it's not up to the government to decide what are people's worst instincts. If the, if the First Amendment means anything, that's what it means. Well, it means it's not up to the government to tell us what our worst instincts are. It means except for those areas that have traditionally been outside the area of, of protected speech. And 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 once you allow this one, what other what other base instincts do people have? besides uh, this one. One can contemplate a, a lot of other areas where, where government could say you are appealing to people's worst instincts and therefore the, 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 the movies cannot be made. I, I agree, Justice Scalia. The answer to bad instincts is more speech under the First Amendment. So the I, answer I'm sorry. I, I'm still looking for your answer to Justice Alito's hypotheticals. Can Congress ban the human sacrifice channel or not? I, the, I think I, 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 I'll start by saying I, no. Let's start with that and see. Maybe, maybe, maybe it won't work. But I think you're unwilling, sh- you're unwilling to say Congress can pass a law, even-handed, straightforward, you cannot have a human sacrifice channel. If it did, it would have to be even-handed and have the narrow 
um, tailoring. But the problem is, keep in mind. What do you mean by even-handed, please? I, I'm not sure. You're using buzzwords. What do you mean about even-handed? And when, when the attack, Justice Sotomayor, when the attack is on the production, if it, I don't mean to be, I want to be direct in answering. It depends on two things. If the theory is we don't like the content, we don't want people to see the content, I don't think Congress can do it. I think the answer is more speech. Snuff movies, snuff movies, I don't know if they really exist, but they've been described. No one's ever found one. But that's the the point I'm trying to get to. There's two theories. Adolf Hitler, can we keep him off the screen, too? (laughs) It's a dangerous proposition. That's what the First Amendment says we won't do. So if it's just that we don't like the content outside obscenity, Congress doesn't get to ban it. The answer is more So we don't like like human sacrifice, and so Congress passes a law saying you cannot have a channel that shows human sacrifice, real human sacrifice. You think that's unconstitutional? I I think if if the point is that we don't like the content, we don't — we want to protect people from these images, the First Amendment says a lot about that. If it's a snuff video, if it's like child pornography, if instead it's not the content that we're concerned about, where obscenity is a pure content-based line. It is we, — we got to stop — we can't stop the conduct. The conduct and the speech are inextricably intertwined. The only way we can stop human sacrifice is to stop the image, because the well, sacrifice right, is I mean, solely for the image. The is we can't do anything about it. It is beyond our reach to stop the human sacrifice taking place wherever in the world. So that that argument, the Ferber argument, is off the table. In that situation, you think it's unconstitutional for Congress to pass a law saying there can be no human sacrifice channel? I, I, I think the fact that, that — I think it would be a lot harder under the First Amendment to say why Congress is doing that. If it's not something — if it's not conduct, it has any authority to regulate. I don't — then the only compelling interest is I'm trying I — mean, I don't want to watch this channel. And people should fight with their wallets and their votes and not support these things. But sorry, may I finish? No. But under the First Amendment, if the only rationale Congress is giving is we're here to shield your eyes for you, we will make the sensorial decision, it's got to find some basis to think that was never freedom of the speech under the First Amendment in the way that obscenity was. Don't get to make it up as you go along. We're interpreting a Constitution. Thank you, Counsel. Uh, Mr. Cockhill, you have three minutes remaining. There's one analytic move Congress made in Section 48, which is simple and obvious, and it explains why both the human sacrifice channel is constitutional as well as Section 48 itself. That is the logic of Ferber. When Congress tries to dry up a market for underlying cruelty by targeting depictions and leaves alternative mechanisms for that expression in place, the legislature has latitude. When the statute is not aimed at the communicative impact of the message, like the Hitler video, but rather is aimed at reducing underlying acts of exploitation, that is an area in which Congress has great leeway. I understand. Are you saying since there's no human sacrifice in this country, and no market to be dried up, the videos would be okay. I'm saying that if Congress identified a market, in, if, the, a video, if the snuff video market was driving somehow people to get killed, Congress would be fully within its powers to regulate it. Well, we don't have any human sacrifice. Nobody's doing that stuff, so you could not proscribe the human That's sacrifice. That's precisely no. correct. But here, Congress did find 
an overwhelming market in animal cruelty, and the State Attorneys General have filed a brief before you saying that Section 48 is a success story, that it dried up 3,000 crushed videos, that it's reduced the market for animal How many prosecutions animal. have there been for crushed videos? There, there haven't been any prosecutions for crushed videos, and I think the reason is because the market dried up very quickly after the enactment of Section 48. Did I no. just understand you to agree with your colleague on the other side that Congress could na- not ban the human sacrifice channel? Because there'd be no connection between drying up the underlying activity? Oh, no, if there is an underlying I'm saying there is no connection. We can't reach the activity where it's taking (laughs) place. I think that does start to reach into questions about obscenity and expressive impact on viewers, which is not before this Court. Congress is not resting its judgment here on something saying these images are repulsive and can't be seen. Rather, it's So if Congress is — we'll give you sufficient rebuttal time. So if Congress is saying, look, we just don't like what is being shown on the Human Sacrifice Channel, we don't want people to see it. They can't do that? Again, that raises a whole different set of questions under obscenity and expressive impact that isn't before the Court here. Now, if I could return to Justice Stevens, you had said he wasn't clear our position on hunting. I want to be very clear about this. Hunting, like the other hypotheticals, is not covered by Section 48 for two reasons. First, the the statute's term, animal cruelty, should be defined to encompass torture, mutilation, and the like, and not simple acts of ordinary hunting, most of which, by the way, are legal anyway under animal cruelty. What about the statute's term, kill? Yes. And again, should that be interpreted again Justice Scalia, as I said before, I think that comes within a definition of animal cruelty. That's the term being defined. And just as this Court has defined, for example, crimes of violence to exclude certain things that otherwise would be within the statute, such as drunk driving offenses in the context of the INA, a similar result is possible here, particularly because of the doctrine of constitutional avoidance. And so we're saying that if this Court were to write an opinion, that made clear that these things are outside of the purview of Section 48, there would be no chilling effect, and you wouldn't have be, to wait for this. Let be sure I understand you. Even if the hunting depiction is very offensive and cruel and all the rest, and it's a cruelty to the animal using bow and arrows or knives or something, you say it's not, and even if it's illegal in this particular jurisdiction, you say the statute still does not apply at all. It would have to be for a reason of animal cruelty or something like torture or mutilation and the like. And so there may be certain hunting examples that fall within it. Those aren't the 10 million maxims. Because the hunter's motive is benign? Is that what you're saying? No, it has nothing to do with the motive. It has to do with what happens to that animal. And so there could be images of hunting, which aren't really hunting, like the images in this case. If you shoot a little low and wound the animal, uh, that's cruelty, even though you didn't intend that. Justice Scalia, with with all due respect, I think the images in this case and what Congress was getting at was not shooting a little low. These are the most horrific images that you can imagine of cruelty to living animals. And that's what Congress is. Your response to Justice Stevens on the hunting matter, I understand. And Congress right. wasn't directed. It, and my point is, if, those ca- if there are those cases at the area, at the gray areas, that's perfect for an as-applied challenge. But it's not what this court. This court shouldn't be blessing the Third Circuit's decision to, in toto, invalidate an entire statute which has produced, which has reduced 3,000 crush videos and the like. Thank you, counsel, uh, both counsel, for a very able presentation. The case is submitted.